the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Program guests and Craig Roberts not affiliated with Vitucci and Associates. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Vitucci and Associates have no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Securities and advisory services offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Vitucci and Associates, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. The views and opinions expressed are based on current economic and market conditions and are subject to change. All investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. Pat Petucci says, don't invest and forget. Invest and forget. Invest and forget. Welcome to Don't Invest and Forget, a weekly financial news magazine designed to educate and equip you with the roadmap and direction you need to manage your money, meet your financial goals, and instill confidence in your investment choices on the road to retirement. Your host is author, radio commentator, and investment advisor, Pat Fatucci of Fatucci & Associates. With over 30 years' experience in the world of finance and investment planning, Pat specializes in personal and corporate investment management with special emphasis on retirement planning. Welcome to another edition of Don't Invest and Forget, the program that each and every week helps you keep your finger on the pulse of your money from Wall Street to Main Street to your wallet. Our host, 30-plus-year financial manager, Pat Fatucci. Well, if you spent any time recently channel surfing on television and perhaps ever paused for a while on C-SPAN, the cable TV network that covers live Senate and House debate and committee hearings in Washington, D.C., perhaps like myself, you've noted that seemingly a great deal of the discussion recently revolves around the economy, gas and oil prices, the stock market, and the state of Social Security. A front-page article in the San Francisco Chronicle just last week carried yet again another story about the disintegration of Social Security and the rather poor attention Americans seem to be placing into retirement savings and the performance of their 401ks. And Pat, as much as this seems to be perhaps just yet again another story about the economy, the reality is the events taking place around us can really have a significant impact on the quality of our own life if we really don't start paying some attention. Yeah, Craig, this is one of the stories that uh, the Wall Street story actually has hit Main Street in a big, big way. We've seen these issues coming out of the epicenters, the financial centers, whether it's New York or Los Angeles or Chicago, hitting uh, mom and pop on Maple Street. So we've got to look at what are the impacts of these issues on your specific family, whether it's your home, your income, whether it's your decision to retire or whether it's your decision to postpone retirement. All these issues now become formidable. Uh, challenges that need to be addressed. And, and sometimes it's a good idea uh, to bounce some of those ideas off an objective person. You know, many times you can bring your brother-in-law in, your sister-in-law in, or some family member, or even a friend, and you get kind of a biased view many, many cases because there, there's some emotion there, whether there's some love there or between friendships or maybe even some kind of animosity, something that happened 20 years ago. You tend to get a little bit of a tainted view and the objective view that you were hoping for may be a little bit askew. And so a lot of listeners come in. We 
certainly enjoy and appreciate our listeners coming in, but we don't have the history of family ties or friend ties. And I think our objectivity can lend itself to maybe a little bit more clarity on the issue. And I think sometimes, Pat, it's easy to encourage others by saying, well, everything will be okay, because the reality is even though friends and family might want to appear to be experts, none of us really are. This whole world of finance in the world today is is so often complex and confusing. If any of our listeners have ever traveled overseas to Europe or to Central or South America, many parts of the world in big cities, you'll see spots where a multiplicity of streets all kind of converge together. I'm not talking about a cross-section of two streets. I'm talking about seven or eight streets that all come together and then meet in a circle. And if you've ever stood and watched traffic, it is absolutely amazing. And you see what seems to be just a cacophony of noise and confusion. And I suppose in many respects, that explains what's going on in the world of money today. We begin to add all of these things together, and all of a sudden, we're back to the financial equivalent of all of these streets intersecting in one large circle. And a lot of folks are afraid to even cross the street for fear they're going to get run over. Yeah, we just had a listener come in uh, last week, Craig, and he aptly named the person in his office. He called him the brainiac in the office that was giving everybody advice on what to do for their 401k. Because he was a very magnanimous and lovable guy, a lot of people listened to this person, and this person didn't have any experience. He was just an affectatious kind of guy. He was a lot of charisma. And my point is, he was giving out financial advice that was not looking at the underpinnings of the way the financial planning world worked, but because of his influence and his style was able to influence a fair number of other employees and they got online and changed their 401ks and did exactly what the herd mentality was suggesting, which was wrong. Point of his him coming and telling me this story is that he also was subject to that influence and he admitted candidly to me that, you know, this person, while he's likable, was really not qualified to make those kind of recommendations, but did influence a fair number of people. And sadly now, no doubt, many of these folks are paying the price. And, and I suspect, Pat, that's probably just as bad as the individual who establishes a 401k and then leaves that job and moves on to another one and forgets the old one behind. Well, your boss, your former boss is not managing that for you. So that's kind of sitting there languishing. And now at your new job, you establish yet another 401k. But folks are busy. We're taking care of careers and families and all the responsibility of day-to-day living. It's easy to kind of put on the back burner events that we're planning for that for some folks might be 10, 15, 20, 30 years down the road. But in allowing our retirement savings to kind of sit they're unmanaged. I suppose, Pat, it's just as bad as taking advice from your barber or somebody who really doesn't understand the economy and is sort of treating it just like a roulette wheel. We're hungry for all kinds of information. And we all want to think there's a get rich quick scheme. There's there's some quick corner we can turn to, you know, to get to that million dollar number tomorrow. And sadly, there isn't. So it's not a question of the gray matter. We're all fairly intelligent people, but we all are looking for that scheme to short circuit some of this hard work that we have to live through. But again, I would caution listeners, if it sounds too good to be true, guess what? It probably is. Another companion issue, Pat, that I think bears touching on is the sense that 
in the last many years, Americans have lived a fairly comfortable lifestyle. Let's face it, credit has been very easy to come by. We've had a great increase in electronic gadgets and goods out there to tantalize all of us. We've seen cheap money with interest rates for homes at historically low levels, in some cases the lowest levels we've seen in many, many years. And so with easy money and very lax credit requirements, folks have been out spending, spending, spending. Now all of a sudden, the bills are coming due. And as a result, now cash is tight. Folks are beginning to turn to a 401k as not retirement savings, but rather sort of an easy ATM. In fact, a recent survey from Transamerica Center for Retirement Studies has noted a huge increase in loans from 401ks. How dangerous is this? It is a dangerous trend. It's we, We've gone from using our homes as ATMs to using our 401ks as ATMs. And, and so in that same Transamerica study, just back in 2005, about 8% of folks uh, would take loans from their 401k. Move the clock forward and it's doubled to 16% of folks borrowed money from their 401k. Now, there are legitimate reasons, I suppose, you know, whether it's sending a junior off to college or if illness hits the family. But my concern is that there's been a little bit too loose of a uh, purse string on, you know, let's go to Hawaii for a week or let's buy that second car we've been dreaming about. And so we want to be careful that the discipline is a conscionable one that we can live with. The excitement of the trip or the car or whatever the issue is wears off pretty quickly, but the bill to pay off goes on for a lot longer period, Craig. With that thought in mind, it's easy for us to think what we're going to do tomorrow or this weekend or a week from now. But thinking long term, to be able to have the vision to think beyond five to 10 years to 20 years out is a difficult thing to do. Yet I suspect when it comes to saving for retirement, critically important. And the reality, Craig, is that if we even have the fictional idea still of 65 being the age of retirement, whether it be 65 or 70, most folks, in fact, statistically, 92% of the time, one of the two, whether it's a husband and wife, will live to age 92. And so we've got to have the reality that we've got to live a long time. And the question is, and the challenge is, is our portfolio designed to last that many more years? It's just incredible how when you look around, 70 and 80-year-olds are not old. They're still jogging. They're playing golf. They're playing tennis. The reality of it is many folks will have the energy and motivation to continue to travel or, or do fun things. And guess what? All those things cost money. So clearly we're living longer and the cost to live longer is going up, particularly with the spike in double-digit inflation that we've seen in the cost of medical care in recent years. And so these factors all come together to say it's critically important today to plan for tomorrow, to have that vision that takes you beyond next week to next month to next year to 5, 10, 15, even 20 years down the road. Where do I get started? How do I even go about determining, Pat, how much I'll need to retire? You know what's amazing, Craig? A lot of listeners come in for our no obligation consultation. And within an hour, we have an eight and a half by 11 crisp, clean sheet of paper really designed and looking at their entire asset base. And amazingly, in almost every case, Craig, people walk out and say, wow, I didn't realize I had this much net worth because they've got old 401ks. They've got money at the credit union. They've got an IRA here, a Roth there. They've got savings. They've got bonds, uh, e-bonds in their bottom drawer. And when we tally all that up and they say, wow, I'm in pretty good shape. And yes, I do have an opportunity to retire at that point in time when they want to. So in, in many cases, it's kind of a disjointed, non-comprehensive view of the 
reality our financial life. And what we do is wrap our arms around all those dangling pieces and put it all together in a crisp, clean net worth statement and arrive at some income assumptions albeit conservative as they might be, it's amazing. They sit back in the chair in my office and they say, wow, this is pretty good news. And it's not fiction. It's real. They bring their statements in, Craig, and we do a quick summary. And an hour later, it's pretty revealing opportunity. Pat Fittucci says, don't invest and forget. Invest and forget. Invest and forget. Welcome back to Don't Invest and Forget. My special guest today is Joel Everett. Joel is one of our premier financial advisors. Joel, welcome to the show. Thank you, Pat. Thank you for having me on the show again. So, Joel, we deal with a lot of statistical stuff. We look at numbers a lot, but we've got to be very careful not to ignore the emotion, the behavior, kind of the human element of investing. You are a sensei in martial arts, clearly specializing in behavior, controlling emotions. What's the corollary action when you go to your studio and you are focusing on the things you do best? What's the corollary to the financial planning world that a lot of people seem to miss in this roller coaster ride we've been on for the last frankly, many, many years. People don't really talk about, you know, they talk about performance. They're talking, like you said, the numbers and what stock is up or down and speculation, all that kind of thing. But they don't talk about the behaviors associated with investing. And as a martial arts sensei, the number one thing that I teach my students is is how to manage their state, how to manage their emotions. Because if you lose your emotions in a self-defense situation, some bad things can happen. Really, I teach people how to protect themselves from themselves. As financial planning consultants, I don't see any difference. The, the correlation is, is is that with the market, you see how emotional people get. And it's understandable, people's life savings, their retirement, so on and so forth. And so it is an emotional subject. But sometimes, you know, as financial planners, we have to protect them from themselves. You saw the people in February and March that jumped out of the market. Had they stayed in the market, there was a lot of recovery and potential gain at this point that was missed out of. So by reacting emotionally and not being guided professionally, it's my opinion that some people made a bad choice. So don't ignore that little tiny voice inside you that says, be reasonable, be calm, kind of reflect cautiously, the loud voice says, sell, 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 or buy, buy, buy. And that little quiet voice in the back of your mind is saying, you know, be reflective, be reasonable, and be calm. And we've got to listen to both those voices, don't we? Absolutely. And it's interesting in the market, it's the one place where people do the opposite of what you would do normally. You know, When there's a sale, you go and buy. And when you know that there's no sale, normally you don't buy. But in the market, people see that the market's on sale because it's down and they're selling low and then the market goes back up. So they think it's a good time to buy. And so they buy a high. And because of this listening to the wrong voice, they're listening to that loud voice they're buying at the wrong time. And that's where we as professionals really need to be leveraged for our clients. And people can lean on us to be that voice of reason, be that voice of calm, so they don't listen to the wrong voice. Two emotions that we struggle with, fear and greed. We're always a little fearful, and yet we're a little greedy. And we're kind of like little children. They're afraid of their shadow. And mine, 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 gimme, 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 more, more, more. We never really outgrow that. It just manifests itself a little bit more adult-like perhaps, but when you distill it down and interpret it, fear and greed still are continuing 
emotions that we don't do well when we look at the investing world. We tend, exactly what you said, we tend to get out at the wrong time and get in at the wrong time. Trying to time the market is a fool's game, and controlling those emotions is tantamount to any other discipline you could ever think about. Absolutely. Those types of behaviors are are linked with fear and the greed, and that's all associated with short-term vantage point. You're only thinking about the short term. You're not sticking to a long-term plan, understanding that this is a roller coaster. And if I go to Magic Mountain and I get on the roller coaster, I can't just get off when it gets scary. I have to ride it to the end. And that's the plan is to ride it to the end. And and with people's financial plan, they have to trust their advice. They have to trust their plan and stick to the plan and understand that it might be scary now, but what is it going to look like six months from now, a year from now? I mean, if we just even look at in the last hundred years, the market on average goes down 13 to 14% every year. One out of every five years, the market goes down 30%. And we just experienced that 30%. And now we've seen the recovery within a few months. So again, the people that reacted have been hurt by that instead of knowing that, okay, this is now, but my financial plan is planned for the next 10, 20, 30 years So I'm going to stick to that regardless of this volatility and everyone reacting emotionally right now. So if I went to your martial arts studio and I would attempt to engage in physical action with you, my emotions would probably run way out of control. It's like if you're walking down a dark alley, two or three people are coming at you with not a very friendly face. It's either a fight or flight reaction. My emotions are going to be all over the place and probably not in control. And so how you behave when somebody's coming at you to fight you or hurt you, it's kind of like in the stock market. If you are a, a trader of some sort and you react to that fear or you want to react emotionally, we're not conditioned to be in that scenario, just like we're not conditioned when the market drops precipitously or goes up a lot. We react poorly and All the statistics show the average investor does not do well on Wall Street because of that kind of fight or flight, that fear, greed reaction. I agree. And in the martial art uh, scenario, the first thing that goes in that fear, anger scenario, that fight or flight is awareness. You get this tunnel vision and people get that in investing. They all they can see is the numbers dropping on out of their account on the screen. They don't realize that markets take dips goes down, it'll go back up. They're just in that moment reacting versus having a educated response to the situation. Volatility is the attacker of to your portfolio, and you have to not get that tunnel vision on what that attacker is doing in the moment. You have to see that if you write it out, you'll be okay. Trust your training. So I think in summary, if you're kind of a casual investor and you get a, quote, a hot stock tip, which, by the way, 99% of the time turns ice cold soon after you buy. You can't be too cavalier about the profession of investing. It takes a lot of training. You touched on education. I think that's a key word. Being educated and trained and experienced, those are the ingredients to drive through some of this crazy volatility, not too unlike in your martial arts studio. I can't just walk in, put it on one of the good-looking geese, whether it's a white or black one, and pretend I'm a black belt (laughs) and get in on the floor with you as a sensei. I'm not going to do well. 
By the way, that's why I've not gone to your martial arts studio. <laughs> I don't want to embarrass myself. First of all, I don't look good in one of those geese either. But in any event, appreciate your strengths, appreciate your weaknesses. But clearly, if you are a novice to the investing world and you're not reading financial statements and doing a lot of studying and educating yourself, it's like getting into your studio and just making an ass out of myself. We'll get you a nice kimono, so instead of the gi. One of those, one of those colorful ones? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's right. So I can intimidate you with how pretty I look in one of those flower things? In a sense, we are financial senseis, and, uh, and we're here to be utilized and use us to help protect, again, uh, the average person from themselves in that emotional response to the market, feel free to reach out to us. This is what we're here for. Uh, we'd be happy to consult with you and, and see where you know we can help give you black belt strategies and advice so we can go home safe, if you will, at the end of the day. And that's the ultimate goal of martial arts is to go home safe. And again, just to qualify, Joel and I are not saying we have all the answers all the time. We don't know where the markets are going clearly but we are studying some of the underpinnings, some of the leading and lagging indicators that merely suggest they intimate where the markets are going and not to at all know exactly, but keeping that discipline, keeping that control. Joel Everett, one of our premier financial advisors, give us a call at one AAA plan wise, one AAA plan wise. Joel, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. Pat Fittucci says, don't invest in forget. Welcome back. I'm Pat Fatucci. Our special guest today, Michael Gerber. Michael is the founder and chairman of Emith Worldwide, his training, coaching, and consulting firm, which has helped grow more than 50,000 businesses. He's author of seven Emith books, including the mega bestseller, Emith Revisited. Michael, I've read your book the first time many years ago, and I continue to pick it up again. It's an easy to read. Every time I read it, I get something else out of it. Is that fairly common? It is, actually. Um, I hear that over and over and over and over again from people uh, who are just fans. I don't know what else to, I don't know what else to call them. They get from the emit something they have not gotten from most books, and that's a way to see their problem, their life, and their business in a synchronistic and synergistic way that makes it really, really work for them. Give them a point of view that the reason most small businesses suffer is because the owner isn't an entrepreneur, but what I call a technician suffering from an entrepreneurial seizure. They go to work and create a job for themselves, and it's the worst job in the world because they're working for a lunatic. So I show them in the book exactly how to change that. Why most small businesses don't work and what to do about it is the subtitle. And I guess it's the American dream to own your own business. I suspect there are a lot of people working for corporate America today that either have something else going on the side or they're dreaming on the back of an envelope about some organization or some product. Why do we have that vision of ourselves as always wanting to be self-employed? I mean, I'm self-employed, you're self-employed. It's wonderful, but it's not for everybody, is it? Well, it's not for everybody. One, because um, you have to figure out everything on your own. And when you're working for somebody else, hopefully there's a, a structure to the business, an organization, other people who know stuff. So very, very, very many people who leave the job with the idea that they're going to have it all when they go out on their own discover how much more there is to know than they ever imagined they'd need to know. Uh, on the other hand, the job is insufferable to most people. So more and more, it's true that most people can't stand 
the job. They got to find something else. You know, the Kaufman Foundation, which is a uh, not-for-profit foundation uh, devoted to the development and enrichment of entrepreneurship in Kansas City, uh, the largest foundation of its kind, did a study recently and discovered that 440,000 new businesses are started every month in this country. Think about it. It's extraordinary. That means anybody who goes out on his or her own, any independent contractor, any uh, independent salesperson, they call that a business. Of course, I don't call that a business, but that's another subject. But think about the compelling fact of 440,000 new businesses started every month in this country, and 80% of them fail. Can you imagine the economic impact of that? Michael, in your book, you cite the gal who likes to bake, and she decided to open up, I think it was a, it was a bakery. That, that's a fairly common. You like to cook, you open up a restaurant, and then you progress into the difference between working on your business and working in your business. Amplify on that for those folks who, who haven't had a chance to read your book yet. It's the whole thing of the technician suffering from an entrepreneurial seizure and then creating a job for herself. So she loves to bake pies, so she creates a business to bake pies, and she suddenly hates baking pies because she's also got everything else to do. And so small business owners are working their tails off uh, 10 hours, 12 hours a day and getting very little in return for it. The idea that we share in the e-myth and in all the work we've done since I founded my company, E-Myth Worldwide, in 1977, is that the job is really different than you think. The job is really to go to work on your business, not in your business, just like Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's, did. He didn't go to work in McDonald's. He didn't make hamburgers, didn't make french fries, didn't make milkshakes, didn't do any of that work at all. He never once worked in the store. Instead, he went to work on the store, on the business, to create the turnkey operating system for that business, to package that business as a brand. So the work is from the outside, not from the inside. It's said that you have to transcend your life in order to transform your life. Well, that's also true of your business. You have to transcend your business in order to transform your business to build a business brand. That's what we teach people how to do, and that's what I teach people in the dreaming room, how to begin to imagine. You've got to have a dream. You've got to have a vision. You've got to have a purpose, and you've got to have a mission, and you've got to understand that your business is there to do something without you, not to do something because of you. Your business has to operate all on its own. Now, Michael, you, you give yourself a title of chief dreamer. There are a lot of folks dreaming of a business, but part of the dream, step two, is executing on that dream in a very methodical way, isn't it? Yeah, most businesses is that the dream is not the dream I'm talking about. The, the entrepreneur's dream is how to have a profoundly unique and important impact on his or her customer to differentiate his business from everybody else's. So the dream of the founder of Starbucks, you can go and experience in Starbucks. You know, what is it? After all, it's a coffee shop. But there's never been a coffee shop like Starbucks. And that's why Starbucks is so darn successful. So the dream is about the great result your company is going to produce, 
not about creating um, freedom for you from the job. The dream has nothing to do with you. The dream has to do with them, the people who are going to be your customer, the people who are going to work for you, the business you're inventing. So the entrepreneurial dream is an invention. Everybody else's dream is a personal dream about I want to go to Hawaii, I want to live in a house on a hill, I want to get this, I want to get that, I want to get this, I want to get that. It's all about me. That's not the dream I'm talking about. And that dream doesn't get anybody anything other than huge disappointment. Michael, what is the focus and purpose? Well, my dream was to transform the condition of small business worldwide. My vision was to create the McDonald's of small business consulting, meaning a a turnkey consulting capability that could be delivered to any small business owner to teach them, to coach them, to support them, to mentor them, to train them on how to build an extraordinarily successful company. My purpose was to transform the lives of the people who want to start a small business so they don't have to suffer, so they don't have to work their tail off, so they don't have to do all the stuff that they typically do. And my mission was to build this turnkey consulting system so it could be delivered by somebody who was very, very inexpensive, education, training, consulting company that's one of a kind in the world. Michael Gerber, his training, coaching, and consulting firm has helped grow more than 50,000 businesses. If you have any questions, feel free to call our toll-free line. Call right now, 1-888-PLAN-WISE. That's 1-888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. Michael, continued success to you. Thank you so much, and thank you for your vision. Thanks, Pat. Pat Petucci says, don't invest and forget. Invest and forget. Invest and forget. Well, if you spent any time recently channel surfing on television and perhaps ever paused for a while on C-SPAN, the cable TV network that covers live Senate and House debate and committee hearings in Washington, D.C., perhaps like myself, you've noted that seemingly a great deal of the discussion recently revolves around the economy, gas and oil prices, the stock market, and the state of Social Security. A front-page article in the San Francisco Chronicle just last week carried yet again another story about the disintegration of Social Security and the rather poor attention Americans seem to be placing into retirement savings and the performance of their 401ks. And Pat, as much as this seems to be perhaps just yet again another story about the economy, the reality is the events taking place around us can really have a significant impact on the quality of our own life if we really don't start paying some attention. Yeah, Craig, this is one of the stories that uh, the Wall Street story actually has hit Main Street in a big, big way. We've seen these issues coming out of the epicenters, the financial centers, whether it's New York or Los Angeles or Chicago, hitting uh, mom and pop on Maple Street. So we've got to look at what are the impacts of these issues on your specific family, whether it's your home, your income, whether it's your decision to retire or whether it's your decision to postpone retirement. All these issues now become formidable. Uh, challenges that need to be addressed. And and sometimes it's a good idea uh, to bounce some of those ideas off an objective person. You know, many times you can bring your brother-in-law in, your sister-in-law in, or some family member, even a friend, and you get kind of a biased view many, many cases because there's some emotion there, whether there's some love there or between friendships or maybe even some kind of animosity, something that happened 20 years ago. You tend to get a little bit of a tainted view and the objective view that you were hoping for may be a little bit askew. And so a lot of listeners come in. We 
certainly enjoy and appreciate our listeners coming in, but we don't have the history of family ties or friend ties. And I think our objectivity can lend itself to maybe a little bit more clarity on the issue. And I think sometimes, Pat, it's easy to encourage others by saying, well, everything will be okay, because the reality is even though friends and family might want to appear to be experts, none of us really are. This whole world of finance in the world today is is so often complex and confusing. If any of our listeners have ever traveled overseas to Europe or to Central or South America, many parts of the world in big cities, you'll see spots where a multiplicity of streets all kind of converge together. I'm not talking about a cross-section of two streets. I'm talking about seven or eight streets that all come together and then meet in a circle. And if you've ever stood and watched traffic, it is absolutely amazing. And you see what seems to be just a cacophony of noise and confusion. And I suppose in many respects, that explains what's going on in the world of money today. We begin to add all of these things together, and all of a sudden, we're back to the financial equivalent of all of these streets intersecting in one large circle. And a lot of folks are afraid to even cross the street for fear they're going to get run over. Yeah, we just had a listener come in uh, last week, Greg, and he aptly named the person in his office. He called him the brainiac in the office that was giving everybody advice on what to do for their 401k. Because he was a very magnanimous and lovable guy, a lot of people listened to this person. And this person didn't have any experience. He was just an affectatious kind of guy. He was a lot of charisma. And my point is, he was giving out financial advice that was not looking at the underpinnings of the the way the financial planning world worked, but because of his influence and his style was able to influence a fair number of other employees and they got online and changed their 401ks and did exactly what the herd mentality was suggesting, which was wrong. Point of his him coming and telling me this story is that he also was subject to that influence and he admitted candidly to me that, you know, this person, while he's likable, was really not qualified to make those kind of recommendations, but did influence a fair number of people. And sadly now, no doubt, many of these folks are paying the price. And, and I suspect, Pat, that's probably just as bad as the individual who establishes a 401k and then leaves leaves that job and moves on to another one and forgets the old one behind. Well, your boss, your former boss is not managing that for you. So that's kind of sitting there languishing. And now at your new job, you establish yet another 401k. But folks are busy. We're taking care of careers and families and all the responsibility of day-to-day living. It's easy to kind of put on the back burner events that we're planning for that for some folks might be 10, 15, 20, 30 years down the road. But in allowing our retirement savings to kind of sit they're unmanaged. I suppose, Pat, it's just as bad as taking advice from your barber or somebody who really doesn't understand the economy and is sort of treating it just like a roulette wheel. We're hungry for all kinds of information. And we all want to think there's a get rich quick scheme. There's there's some quick corner we can turn to, you know, to get to that million dollar number tomorrow. And sadly, there isn't. So it's not a question of the gray matter. We're all fairly intelligent people, but we all are looking for that scheme to short circuit some of this hard work that we have to live through. But again, I would caution listeners, if it sounds too good to be true, guess what? It probably is. Another companion issue, Pat, that I think bears touching on is the sense that 
in the last many years, Americans have lived a fairly comfortable lifestyle. Let's face it, credit has been very easy to come by. We've had a great increase in electronic gadgets and goods out there to tantalize all of us. We've seen cheap money with interest rates for homes at historically low levels, in some cases the lowest levels we've seen in many, many years. And so with easy money and very lax credit requirements, folks have been out spending, spending, spending. Now all of a sudden, the bills are coming due. And as a result, now cash is tight. Folks are beginning to turn to a 401k as not retirement savings, but rather sort of an easy ATM. In fact, a recent survey from Transamerica Center for Retirement Studies has noted a huge increase in loans from 401ks. How dangerous is this? It is a dangerous trend. It's we, We've gone from using our homes as ATMs to using our 401ks as ATMs. And, and so in that same Transamerica study, just back in 2005, about 8% of folks uh, would take loans from their 401k. Move the clock forward and it's doubled to 16% of folks borrowed money from their 401k. Now, there are legitimate reasons, I suppose, you know, whether it's sending a junior off to college or if illness hits the family. But my concern is that there's been a little bit too loose of a uh, purse string on, you know, let's go to Hawaii for a week or let's buy that second car we've been dreaming about. And so we want to be careful that the discipline is a conscionable one that we can live with. The excitement of the trip or the car or whatever the issue is wears off pretty quickly, but the bill to pay off goes on for a lot longer period, Craig. With that thought in mind, it's easy for us to think what we're going to do tomorrow or this weekend or a week from now. But thinking long term, to be able to have the vision to think beyond five to 10 years to 20 years out is a difficult thing to do. Yet I suspect when it comes to saving for retirement, critically important. And the reality, Craig, is that if we even have the fictional idea still of 65 being the age of retirement, whether it be 65 or 70, most folks, in fact, statistically, 92% of the time, one of the two, whether it's a husband and wife, will live to age 92. And so we've got to have the reality that we've got to live a long time. And the question is, and the challenge is, is our portfolio designed to last that many more years? It's just incredible how when you look around, 70 and 80-year-olds are not old. They're still jogging. They're playing golf. They're playing tennis. The reality of it is many folks will have the energy and motivation to continue to travel or, or do fun things. And guess what? All those things cost money. So clearly we're living longer and the cost to live longer is going up, particularly with the spike in double-digit inflation that we've seen in the cost of medical care in recent years. And so these factors all come together to say it's critically important today to plan for tomorrow, to have that vision that takes you beyond next week to next month to next year to 5, 10, 15, even 20 years down the road. Where do I get started? How do I even go about determining, Pat, how much I'll need to retire? You know what's amazing, Craig? A lot of listeners come in for our no obligation consultation. And within an hour, we have an eight and a half by 11 crisp, clean sheet of paper really designed and looking at their entire asset base. And amazingly, in almost every case, Craig, people walk out and say, wow, I didn't realize I had this much net worth because they've got old 401ks. They've got money at the credit union. They've got an IRA here, a Roth there. They've got savings. They've got bonds, uh, e-bonds in their bottom drawer. And when we tally all that up and they say, wow, I'm in pretty good shape. And yes, I do have an opportunity to retire at that point in time when they want to. So in, in many cases, it's kind of a disjointed, non-comprehensive view of 
their financial life. And what we do is wrap our arms around all those dangling pieces and put it all together in a crisp, clean net worth statement and arrive at some income assumptions albeit conservative as they might be, it's amazing. They sit back in the chair in my office and they say, wow, this is pretty good news. And it's not fiction. It's real. They bring their statements in, Craig, and we do a quick summary. And an hour later, it's pretty revealing opportunity. You've been listening to Don't Invest and Forget with author and investment advisor, Pat Fatucci. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program, or to schedule your appointment for a no-obligation financial plan tune-up in one of Bay Area offices of Atucci & Associates near you, go to don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. Or call toll-free 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. Or visit don'tinvestandforget.com. Program guests and Craig Roberts not affiliated with Vitucci and Associates. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Vitucci and Associates have no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Securities and advisory services offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Vitucci and Associates, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.